Layman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Layman and Tyler McComas. Not only is this a loss, but it's, it's back-to-back. How how are you guys approaching that? So, yes, you know, we're 0-0 every single week. The process doesn't change, but at the same time, it changed in the past two weeks because we fell short and we weren't good enough. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I really, we really just have a deeper buy-in from the guys. Like, look, if you don't want to be here, bro, don't be here. You know, we, we will find other people that want to play for the University of Oklahoma. So you got you really got to buy in now and really – it's really moments like where you got to buy in, you know, really see how bad you want this. Danny Stutzman talking about the buy-in with this football team. And, you know, here's the thing. I, I do not question at all the buy-in from the football team. Um, I think for the most part, uh, everyone's done a really good job. I think this team is, you know, I, I think they're in. I think they're all in on the season, right? It doesn't feel like there's fracture there, that there's some team, there's some guys on the team that are mailing it in. I just, I don't get that feeling at either. all. I don't either. So, and I, and I know that, you know, that's just kind of the question and, you know, you respond how you can about it, but I don't sense that at all from this team. I could be wrong, though. I'm not in the locker room. I'm sure, I mean, there's always frustrated players on on every football team. If you're undefeated, if you're winless, really doesn't matter. You're going to have guys that are, that are upset with how things are going, but... Um, you know, I, I feel like I feel like this team's bought in and you know, obviously not performing the way they want right now, but I I'm confident they're gonna get it right. I don't watch the I I don't worry about the buy in. Um they didn't come out, you know, super aggressive against Kansas early on. That was pretty telling. I don't think that, that was necessarily about buy in. I just haven't seen this team lack energy a whole lot this year and why I don't worry about buy in too is when we evaluate the problems of this team which we've done all week long, we've never really said buy-in or effort or anything like that. Like right. The issues of this team are bad mistakes and not taking advantage of opportunities. That's yeah. normally not buy-in to me. You know, that, that, That's some other things, but it's not buy-in or effort. Sure. No, I agree. I agree. I think you're exactly right. Um, now, I... I they just need to play well and and you get rid of all of the other nonsense you just show up put a good game together and we can really just dismiss with all of all of the extra talk because you know i i think the team's done you know some really good things they just turnovers man it's just the turnovers yeah well i mean fair point by OU optimist stutzman said it and he's in the locker room so I, yeah. I mean I don't I don't see it, yeah. but maybe 
maybe he sees something that we're not talking about. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he he sees it, or he's in the locker room for sure, but he's also on a podcast, right? And, like, some of that, you're just, it's the nature of it. You're just going to get, like, a canned response, you know, and and that's kind of what that sounds like to me, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just kind of, to me, what that sounds like a little bit is, you know, that's that's kind of what you say in this moment to to rally the troops or whatever. I I don't I don't think that there's a problem in there with guys not buying in, but I could be wrong. This, like, I honestly don't know. This text says, uh, "Do you think he was referring to anyone in the video?" And what they're getting at is what Stutzman just said. Is he talking about Canick? And no, I don't like no. Stut- Canick's issues are not efforts. I no. He, he's trying his ass off out there. Yeah. It's just he's playing a very – is that the most complicated position on the defense? And I'm not trying to make just a ton of excuses for him. I'm just trying to kind of bring what his situation is. Like, there's just a lot there. And it's not effort to me. It's just mentally it's, it's, it's pretty difficult. Right. Now, I am – I'm biased, but I would say 100% absolutely yes, it's the most difficult position – on the field to play and there's a bunch of reasons but you know the main thing is like for for example at the will backer where stutzman plays you get to kind of you get to put everything on on one side of you way more than you do at mike mike you have you have both sides of you right like almost a full view of what's going on and there's way more things and at the will backer you're pretty often doing the same things and you can really you can really pare down your responsibilities to to just like a handful of things now you have to apply them um you have to know when to apply them and everything but like your drop is typically the same you're usually a flat player or an inside hook player, emotion typically takes you from a flat player in the core to a flat player out of the core. You know what I'm saying? So emotion at Mike across the formation can change your entire drop. The direction you're dropping can change your entire run fit. Uh, it can. It, there's way more going on at Mike. It's much more difficult. And Venables likes to likes to get guys in at Mike, let them learn that because you you have there's way more going on, and then once you've got your feet under you and you've learned the most difficult position, then whenever you go play Will, it's like you play at lightning speed now. It's like taking the training wheels off. Sure. So, and I think that's what he was trying to do with Canick. It's just you know it. It hasn't clicked, and it doesn't mean that it never will, and doesn't mean that he hasn't done some really good things. He has, but you know he's he's also had some difficulty, and I think the I think the majority of the difficulty with him comes from being really hard on himself, and when he makes a mistake, it snowballs. He he really starts to think about it, and loses his confidence, and when that happens, you know, it, it just snowballs. 
I don't think it's exactly the same, but I do think there's some similarities to how some are talking about Canick now and how they were talking about Stutzman last year. And I, sure. I just I think those two situations are going to kind of mirror. Like, look for Canick maybe in the bowl game towards the tail end of the regular season for us to say, all right, yeah, still not perfect, but you, you can see some progression. And then hopefully next year we're talking about a guy that doesn't have to be at a Butkus level, you know, type of play. But yeah, this is significantly better than it was a year ago. That's kind of na- what I'm thinking of for Canick. Yeah, the natural progression for an Oklahoma football player is show up. People are pissed that the coaching staff is not playing you. Uh, then you start playing, and the fans think you suck and are going to suck forever. And then eventually you turn into a really good football player. And then they love you again. That's kind of the progression. Jackson Arnold's in the fun part of that right now. Though I think he's going to go out and have a a great career. But could there be some bumps in the road along the way? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's what you're talking about. That It'll be, uh, all right, where's, where's Hawkins at? Let's get Hawkins in there. Didn't he throw and run for a lot of yards last year? Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's naturally how it goes. I mean, our fan base was was ready to skin Stutzman alive last year at this point in the season, right? Yeah, and the the only difference from, I think, last year to this year is, you know, in Canick's case, Lewis, uh, not, Kip Lewis is playing awesome right now, right? Kobe McKenzie is playing yeah. well. You didn't really have that around Stutzman a year ago. No, and we lost how many in a row? Like four or five games in a row? Correct, yes. <laughs> yeah, that – that really elevates things in, in in a hurry, understandably. 405, I don't think Stutz is talking about anyone in particular. It's more of a general rally call. People yeah. are looking into this way too much, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a good text. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily that anyone's looking into it, right? I think it's just kind of this thing you say in an interview whenever you've lost too straight and you need to get things back on the rails. Right, everyone needs to rededicate themselves. Uh, we need we need to recommit to what we're doing. And if you're not in, get out of the way because this thing's rolling forward. It's just what you say, you know. What do we see from Kip Lewis tomorrow in terms of how much he's out there? I think. Tell me what percentage Stutzman is. Um, and I'll tell you what I think we'll see. Stutzman's uh, 93% tomorrow. If Stutzman's 93%, I think we see Stutzman start. And I think he will play maybe every other series at Mike. And there'll be a rotation at Mike between... Stutzman, Canick, and Kobe. And yeah, whenever yeah. Stutzman goes to play some Mike backer, Kip Lewis plays Will backer. That's what I would guess. All yeah, I, I all four are going to play tomorrow in some capacity. I, I do agree I with think that. So. Um, and I and because Kobe McKenzie's like I, I and I think rotation's what you're talking about. But th- yeah. this is kind of a nice little matchup for Kobe as well. I think I, it is too. You, you know. They're going to run the ball like they ran the ball 50 times against UCF a week ago. 
That's the plan. They're, they are really confident that they're going to come in and run it against us. Right? So this is a really good game for Kobe McKenzie. Kobe is smart. He is physical. He's a punishing tackler in between the tackles. Um, so yeah, I think this is a I think this is a good opportunity for him to get some reps. I'm I'm going to read these as well. It says, didn't Ethan Downs mention a cancer on the team? A, a couple of texts have have referenced that this segment. If you think that clip by Danny was blown way out of proportion, the Ethan Downs thing even more so. And I can play it again. We played it on Wednesday, but I'd like to hear it because I've heard people reference it. Yeah, hold on, let me and see. I don't know. From what I heard, like some people were asking if he was talking about someone on the team, and it seemed to think it seemed to be that a lot of people thought that he was just like kind of referencing like sure like anything bad in general, not like just a person. Here it is after the game on Saturday. Okay, I said earlier in the group, adversity can break a team or draw them closer together. And after two weeks of hard losses, and uh, it's frustrating, you know, putting in a lot of hard work. Um, we know we're getting better as a team, but when it doesn't show up on game day, it's very frustrating. So uh, keeping everybody locked in, eliminating all the cancer is what we call it, you know, all the all the cancer in the locker room, getting that out and uh, focusing on our goals and focusing on becoming closer together as a team. So I, I just I don't think he's talking about any particular player there. It's not what it sounds like to me. I, I guess it's kind of. It's hard to know what he's talking about. Um, the way he phrases it, I could understand how it could be taken that he's talking about cancer in the locker room. But if I had to pick the last guy on the team to out somebody or some people or talk about it that way in an interview... It would be Ethan Downs. I don't think Ethan Downs would would do that. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I totally – it's not what he's about. Um, he kind of right. feels like he's like the ultimate team guy, all that. But I, I think all of this, man, is what it comes down to, what we initially talked about. We can see the issues of this team, and it's not effort. It's not locker room cancers or anything. It's just – taking advantage of the opportunities that you have, you know, stretching a lead out to two scores, not turning the ball over. Those are the issues, not some imaginary cancer that may or may not be in the locker room. I, I don't know. I just – effort, all that, that's not, not an issue to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but we'll see, you know. I, I guess I'm not, not naive to the fact that you've lost two straight and – you know, the guys that were already maybe a little bit angry about not getting playing time or, you know, how coaches have been talking to them. Like, it gets worse whenever you lose. So I can see those guys being more angry about it and maybe being more vocal about it if it is, in fact, there. But, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything that it is. But, you know, every team has that to some degree whenever you've got 100 guys in there that are that age. Yeah, everyone's not always on the same wavelength. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep the text messages coming. We'll get to some of those next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. 
GMC Sierra with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate luxury interior, and of course, the... Change a lifetime. United by hope, we can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives. It's an OEC Football Friday on the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. It's time for our Under the Radar segment brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures. Boyd Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising Under the Radar Sooner startups. Learn how you can help support OU Innovation at BoydStreetVentures.com. You know the drill text line. Let's go. Uh, send us your Under the Radar submissions for tomorrow's OU West Virginia game, 405-651-3439. You think it's a mistake for me to lean towards uh, Jaden Gibson as my under-the-radar player tomorrow? I just feel like at some point they're going to give him more um, opportunities. Why not tomorrow? I don't necessarily think it's a mistake. I, I, would, not, I would not slide my chips into that space. Jaden Gibson but... or Brennan Thompson, if you had to pick one for under-the-radar, which is more likely? Brandon Thompson. Different players there, obviously. So it's kind of, what do they want to feature more, the speed or the size at that spot tomorrow? I guess they could feature both, but who's more likely to have a big game? Do you think Brennan Thompson? Seen a lot more of him recently than Jaden Gibson. That's the only thing I'm going off of. I, 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 I wish they would go to Jaden Gibson a little bit more. It's... It's one of my frustrations is I think we are – and let me just say that I don't think that this is necessarily a Oklahoma thing. I think this is a college football thing. In college football, I think coaches, staffs are way too enamored with their scheme – what it is that they do instead of simply highlighting the key players and key skill sets that those guys have and designing plays for that, if that makes sense. I I feel like college coaches have a set like script, a set, group of plays and concepts that they like to run and like that's their system and that's what they do and because of that you have guys that have different skill sets Jaden gibson has a fantastic skill set as a 6-6 wide receiver his skill set is totally different than drake stoops and farouk but you I have a tendency to just plug those guys into spots in the offense. It, does it make sense what I'm saying? Yes, it's they have two totally different skill sets, but you're more worried about your system. So, yeah. damn the players and their strengths. We want to fit them into the spot, even right. though they could be. Yeah, no, no, I, I, now, I get you. In the NFL, if you got a wide receiver that someone can't cover, guess what? They're going to run him on comebacks. They're going to run him on digs. They're going to run him on slants. They are going to isolate that player and give him the football a million different ways. And I don't think, I don't feel like we do that with any of our players. 
I don't think it doesn't feel like we scheme things necessarily for our players. And again, let me say, I'm this is not just an Oklahoma criticism. It's a college football criticism. I think that that happens everywhere. Sure. Uh, let's get to the text line. 405, long-time listener, first-time texter. Tomorrow you will see Jaden Gibson finally get his opportunities on the field with two touchdowns. OU strolls to victory. So there's <laughs> there's one that agrees with me. Um, Ooh, but not this? Not everyone does. I'm trying to find Uh-oh. it. Where exactly was it here? Um, I think it was, uh, was it Blue Whale Sooner saying, hey, dude, uh, Tyler, quit picking wide receivers for under the radar that coaches refuse to utilize. Your optimism regarding this matter is questionable. I totally agree with that, yes. I'm just trying to, I don't know, I'm, I'm just trying to pick a wide receiver under the radar and hope it hits at some point. Uh, Maybe my under-the-radar player was uh, was going to be, what's the kid from McAllister? He hadn't even played this year. I know, You're that's what Eric you do. McCarty? That's yeah. what the Texans are saying you do. Yeah. <laughs> Better chance of Eric McCarty than my wide receiver pick? Yeah, maybe at this point. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I don't know. Um, Cherokee Sooner says, Jackson Arnold! Lights it up in the second half. Uh, Under the radar, Zach Schmidt returns to consistency, says Ardmore Sooner. Boy, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was the right call. I still think it was the right call to put him out there for that 51-yarder. I wish that the offense had not placed him in that position, but um, I would have liked to see him with maybe a a few more routine kicks, you know, instead of having to go out there for a 51-yarder after he's missed some recently. Well, let me go back through the game log here. My issue at that wasn't so much the – yeah, okay, here it is. So OU has a third and eight – on that same drive where they missed the 51-yarder. My, my, my issue isn't the decision to kick the 51-yarder. It's more about the play before. Now, they threw it to the right guy. They threw it to Drake Stoops. But again, they're going behind the line of scrimmage there when they're attacking down the field on the previous drive and they go, go score a touchdown. They throw it behind the line of scrimmage. There's no blocking. Drake Stoops loses six yards. So now you're back to a 51-yard field goal. Well... And it's my other frustration. Again, this is not an Oklahoma problem. I think we fall into this this category for sure. But there is an epidemic in college football of going for it on fourth down. And since you're going for it on fourth down, third down becomes, well, we're going to set up for the fourth and two or three. So you've got third and eight. Well, the analytics say that we can go for it here on anything fourth and six or shorter. So let's run a quick little hitter. Let's run a a zero-yard route or a a, a quick little inside run to try and get it inside that fourth and go window on the analytics. And I think that is a horrible way to approach football. You, It's one thing to have the the routes downfield to pick up a third and eight, and then it's not there, be forced to check it down, and then go for it on fourth. Like That's one thing, but to run plays that are not designed to pick up the full eight yards on a third down, Like, and I know that you can run a bubble and get a block and go get a first down on third and eight. I know that. 
and I know that on a run you can you can hit a gap, make a guy miss, and go get a first down on third and eight. I get that. But here's the thing. Everyone in the stadium knows that when you're in the middle of the field in pooch punt territory, that there's a good chance that you're going for it on fourth down. So does the defensive coordinator. If it's third, right? if it's third and eight and you pick up half of it, you're still in a predictable passing situation on fourth and four. You know? Yeah. I I just I don't I don't like that that's what college football has has become. Now it's a little bit different if you are running the ball 55 times a game, right? And we know we're in we're in go for it territory on fourth down. Like we're going to put our head down and we're going to run the football here. We've got four downs to get a first. I, that's a little bit different in my opinion, but I don't know. It's just I, I, I see it kind of sweeping the country and – Everyone in the stadium knows that you're going to go for it on fourth down here if you don't pick up the third. So the quick little gotcha play isn't very effective. Five years ago, totally different story. But right now, that's just it's it's played out. Let me get you a few of these. E Freaky from Illinois. Under the radar player is Brent Venables. Think he's going to have himself a day and keep off the damn field for no flags. Um, 402 yeah. offense, Brennan Thompson, defense, RSJ. like that RSJ selection there. Mojo Eraser yeah. says Drake Stoops is the only option right now. OU Optimist just says, we don't know, with five exclamation marks. <laughs> if you've been listening to the show this week, you get that. You're probably laughing oh right now. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty That's good. That's great. Uh, 918, That's good great. grief, under-the-radar player Tyler Guyton somehow gets called on for targeting and misses the rest of the game the way the refs are calling us right now. And Camo Sooner says, R. Mason Thomas. I'd like to see R. Mason Thomas make a couple big plays. I'd like to see P.J. It's just, um, for your pass rushers, this week included, the past two weeks have been tough to get those guys going, just with the style of offense. It has, and, you know, Oklahoma State, you know, that was was one of the things, you you heard me talk about it leading into that game, a ton of max protect ton of three-step getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly not a lot of opportunity to get pressure on the quarterback with the way they operate that offense and you know it's smart with the way they do it I think over the last I don't know however many games since they've settled on their quarterback Bowman at quarterback they've given up like one sack something crazy like that so um it, Lead the Big 12 it's going to be yes yeah it's going to be somewhat the same situation with West Virginia the problem is Garrett Green can absolutely turn your lights out if he pulls the ball down to run and you know you're a defensive end and you're frustrated all game you haven't had much of an opportunity on third down to get a true rush in and here it is it's you know it's it's third and ten we've got an opportunity we're going to rush and you fly off the football fly up the field open up a seam, and Garrett Green's gone and picks up the first down in a blink of an eye. Well, someone's taking him for under the radar tomorrow. Let me get you a few more. Uh, West Virginia quarterback Garrett Green runs for 140 and leads them to victory. Sooner Nation melts down. Thank you for Mm. that. KAMBA says Trace Ford is under the radar. 580, we get this every single week. I love that we get it every single week. Under the radar, someone makes the kicking for chicken. 
on Saturday. Uh, I'm trying to remember because Garrett Green uh, was was nightmare fuel for us last year. I don't think he started and the game, right? You said you don't think he started the Did game? He, I thought they made a change at quarterback in the middle of the game last year. Could be wrong about they, that. They may have. Um, all I know is he came in and he was running around like crazy. He started hitting us on that quarterback draw play. We just flat out could not tackle the guy. And he, like I said, he is fast, legit fast. Not not just quarterback fast, legit fast. He had he had fourteen for one twenty and two uh, two tutties against us last he year. He did. Uh, he didn't start that game. See if you can remember who started that game for West Virginia. It's a familiar name. Well, if it wasn't him, it would have had to have been the Daniels kid, JT right? JT Daniels, yeah, was 7-12 for 65 yards. No touchdown, one pick. OU was kind of in control of that game. They put in Garrett Green. He goes 12-22 for 138, one touchdown, no interceptions, and ran for 119 and two touchdowns. Totally changed the game Dang. when they put him in. Hey, that which, sucks. by the way, I was talking to my nephew yesterday. He's at Rice, and he's a receiver there, and JT Daniels is the quarterback. Their passing game is lighting it up. Have you seen Luke McCaffrey at wide receiver there? So I watched Rice. Who did I watch him play? Uh, played him, I saw him play Tulsa a few weeks ago on that Thursday oh, yeah? night. So that's the last time I've seen him. I watched him play Texas earlier in the year, but, yeah, it looks like they've, they've got it going offensively. Hey, McCaffrey is a dude at wide receiver now. He makes some incredible plays. It looks like, it looks like old Ed out there, about 6'3", 6'4", lean, He's a he's a player now. Man, they were really close the past two weeks getting two big wins. Lost to Tulane by two, lost to SMU by five. Yeah, both those two really good football teams. Are both are SMU and Tulane in the top 25? Tulane is, SMU is seven and two and not. Is that okay. OU's second best win, by the way, SMU? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Is... is are they in the same conference that James Madison, who's 9-0, and it, does not get to play in the postseason because of a stupid NCAA Unless rule? Unless there's bowl spots open, and it sounds like there's going to be, so they'll get to play in the game. But isn't that the stupidest thing ever? Hey, it's come up so to uh, Division One, but you can't play. Why? Like, that's, oh, my god! They don't even get to play in their conference championship game. That's just game. so stupid, man. 9-0 and right now. Ha, <laughs> ha, Unbelievable. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. The home of Sooner fans. Home for Sooner recruiting coverage. Home of your Sooner game day voices. Home of the best pre- and post-game coverage. Join the movement. Download the free KRF app now to listen anywhere, anytime. We are where diehard Sooner fans listen. Win the most three times a week during Apache Casino Hotel slot tournament days. 10 a.m. to 10 And let Mandy and her staff help you this holiday season. Your equipment search ends here. Now that's a bold statement. But at Purple Wave Auction, it's true. See for yourself at purplewave.com. Purple Wave is your online marketplace for ag and construction equipment, utility vehicles, trucks and trailers, and yes, even a classic car or two. Bidding is straightforward and simple. No reserves, no minimum bids. Ready to get started? Head to purplewave.com. Purple Wave Auction. Straight, simple, sold.
What Caught Teddy's Eye, brought to you by Yalagazni Law. Have you heard hiring a lawyer makes your insurance claim take even longer? Not at Yalagazni Law. They work to keep your claim moving forward and fight delay at every turn. That's Yalagazni Law, 405-800-8080. 405-800-8080. Let's get to it. Story number one is... Um, now, we talked about um, Kiffin yesterday a little bit with that audio coming out. Is is that what's tied to this forty million dollar lawsuit? Yes, I, mean, I, I think I read that yesterday. That that's that's in, in involved in this. Uh, I had no idea that it was uh, it, that that right there was going to be tied to a forty million dollar lawsuit, um, and that was filed in September, and that's the same guy. And I, forty million bucks for being kicked off the team is what he's suing them for. Half of Jimbo Fisher's buyout to make it uh, even more of a realistic number. Can you believe that? It's crap like that. No, yes, I can't. I mean, I can believe it. I think it's dumb, but I I can believe it. Sure. It it pisses me off to no end because stupid crap like that is what bogs down our judicial system in this country. It's all over the place. All kinds of fraud and frivolous lawsuits. Everyone's trying to slip and fall in the grocery store or whatever it is and file these massive lawsuits. And the thing that makes you the, the most angry is that it works and they get those big payouts. It's, it's pathetic. And it, it just well, it angers me. You just me sent no some end. people to the grocery store. Nice job. <laughs> no kidding. Brilliant. Okay. The only other thing I have. Did you watch any of the Thursday night football last night? You know what? I was making fun of that game for two days, and um, oh yeah, I, I sure did, man. And did Justin Fields say roll tide on the sideline last night? Kind of looked like it. Making oh, fun of Bryce huh. Young? Oh. Interesting. Well, one thing that stuck out to me is that Jason Kelsey was there, and he was in the booth. What the hell is a center for the Philadelphia Eagles doing in the booth on Thursday night football? And they were talking about him being nominated for the People Magazine Sexiest Man Alive Award. Uh, what the, the hell is going on with the Kelsey brothers? I don't know. So th- I, I think they're both on a bye this week. So Jason, yeah. um, he was there last night in Chicago. Travis is going to South America for a Taylor Swift concert, I believe. I think that's that's what he's doing this this weekend, allegedly. Why, why are these two brothers being marketed by the NFL right now? Well, you know that. Come on, this whole Taylor Swift thing is is why they are marketing. And they have that podcast that's gaining a lot of popularity right now. I think, I think it's pretty easy to see. You don't have to like it, but well, Taylor Swift's no, a big I reason. Mean, I know, but it's it's like a fake marketing scam by the NFL. It's not organic. It's all pre-planned, every bit of it. It's crazy to me. I can't believe I'm watching it. It's like we've got a simulation NFL style. Well, people have, been, people have been theorizing that for years, simulation in the NFL. Oh, I know. Um, I did, and stupid stuff like this is 
what makes you believe it sometimes. So we uh, gave a shout-out uh, for Veterans Day tomorrow, thanking all the veterans out there. It's yeah. also the Marine Corps' birthday today, 248 uh, years. So shout-out to all the Marines out there as well. There you go. So we do this every single week. Hey, it's happening next year. Here's what a 12-team college football playoff would look like in the first round. And rather than do that, once again, it, it, it does bring up something interesting that I know everyone around here would still be pissed, okay? Mm-hmm. But how much would the outlook of the season, how different would that be if you're a two-loss team in mid-November with three left to play? You're the number 17-ranked team, and you're trying to get to one of those 12 playoff spots. Like, I, I guess the question is, if OU's a two-loss team next year, is it going to be the same reaction, the season's over, we suck, or is it going to bring a new perspective to college football fans at this point in the season? Well, it, it depends who the two losses are to. No, I know. I you mean, know? everyone's going to be mad, but there's still, yeah. uh, the season's over. I wonder if that's going to be still the case with the new I don't know. format here. I hope not um, because – you know what we we talked about it yesterday. We currently what would we say eight opponents are in the top twenty five that we play next year. Yeah, I think there's like four, three, four in the top ten. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think they were all in like the top eighteen. So, I mean, you're just, I mean, you're going to have to get used to some of that. You know, I mean, it, it's it's kind of how it's going to be. But you should get the SEC bump if you're a two loss. SEC football team at the end of the year, you should be, you know, New Year's Six. OU women's basketball, they got a huge road win last night at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. 80 to 70, number 23, Oklahoma beat number 12, Ole Miss on the road. So, Jeannie Baranchek, they, uh, they won the conference last year, trying to do it again this season. Heck of a road win. Already a top 15 road win. And we're not even out of the first week of the regular season. Congrats, congrats there. Yeah, OU men's awesome. hoops is at home tonight against Mississippi Valley State. OU minus 34 and a half. Who you got? Uh, I'll lay the 34 and a half. Give me Oklahoma. Yeah, well, they covered the uh, covered the spread earlier earlier this week in game one. I like that we're I like we're running the floor. We're athletic. I'm I'm digging it. Last one I have. Uh, this came out last night. Dion says when players fight at practice that he likes to keep track of who won the fight and their record. This is via on three. He also mm-hmm. says that fighting at practice is a great thing for a team. He wants to know who won. He wants to know who lost. He keeps records of it. Yeah, what a thing. Well, I think that that is – I think there's a fine line in that, right, if – if it's something that everyone is like celebrating, then you're going to create a culture that you're going to get guys combating against one another way too often, and I, I it, that doesn't seem like a recipe for success. Because here's the other thing, man: guys get hurt in those fights all the time, all the time. So you want to do the best you can to prevent that from happening, not cheer it on. Sounds dumb to me. Yeah, and uh, sounds like Shadur got a uh, boot on his car <laughs> in Boulder. That nice car he's got, yeah, it got, got booted by the CU police. Mm. What did he say? He's a mix of Tom Brady and a perfect mix of Tom Brady. Who was the other quarterback? Shadur said? Sanders said that uh, Michael about Vick. himself? Yeah. Oh. 
Wow. Uh, okay. Says he's the perfect mixture of Tom Brady and Michael Vick. Is that why you're four and five on the season, or whatever your <laughs> record is? I don't know. Just saying. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number two next. Stay tuned. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. Welcome to the best casino in OKC. 877 Kids Now, paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. But the good news is that it's also full of things that remind you not to let them. So every time you raise a Pacifico, let it be a reminder to live life anchors up. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bring you this hour of the rush on an OEC Fiber Football Friday. Big weekend of college football coming up. And one game that, I mean, Florida State's playing for a lot right now. Miami, not so much. But this game has more significance with it than it has most years over the past decade. But still, it's not the Miami-Florida State that we remember from the early 2000s and in the 90s as well. Trying to think of other rivalries in college football that you used to look at every year like, oh, that's a huge game, and it either doesn't even happen anymore or it's not a big game on a year-in, year-out basis. Uh, OU Nebraska immediately comes to mind for me. Yeah. Michigan-Notre Dame, they played most yeah. years. That doesn't happen. Florida-Tennessee was a big deal in the 90s. Yeah. Um, how about the opponent this week? I don't know if West Virginia Pitt was ever a big game nationally, but the Sweet Caroline version that West Virginia fans sing to that song is pretty awesome. Well, Pitt, didn't they have like a really nice run in the 80s where they... Yeah, they were a good program in the in the 80s, sure. Yeah, and maybe even a little um, bit earlier than that in the in the late 70s. Who was, do you remember who the coach was in, in the 80s there at Pitt? I should. It's going to be... I know Dave Wanstead was there in the early 2000s with Larry Fitzgerald yeah. and crew. Yeah, I don't know. I I remember uh, Coach Faggio. I he I don't think he was the head coach at Pitt, but he was there back like when with Marino and and all of that. So I don't know. Interesting. Ohio Cedar says Pitt and Penn State hate each other, but don't play anymore. Uh, Johnny Majors was the head coach at Pitt. Says the text line. Johnny Majors. There you go. Okay. Well, I guess you're getting A&M and Texas back. I don't know how much of how big of a rivalry oh, that one was. The rivalry that I'm told is going to be so awesome when it comes back and it's meant so much over the years. The rivalry where it's been since like 1975 since both teams are ranked in the top 10 when they played that one. <laughs> the most overrated freaking rivalry in the sport, yet everyone acts like it's such a tragedy that they don't play anymore that one. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. I love it. I love it. I just so stu- I I don't know the A and M Texas rivalry. Like it's built up to be some awesome thing over the years. No, it rarely had any national implications with it at all. Yeah. I so what's the deal? 
Are there any big ones in the Pac-12? I know. I I guess I don't know the rivalry status of Oregon, Oregon State. You know, whenever they make the move to the Washington big Ten. and Oregon's a big rivalry up there, and clearly they're going to the Big Ten with with each other. Yeah, I think USC. Should. I think USC is going to continue to play Notre Dame every year. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. No Oregon, Oregon State. What do they call it? The Civil War? They well, used not to anymore. Yeah, you're going to get canceled here. Watch out. Right. Um, I mean, that's. It's going to be a good one this year, man. Oregon State is good. Both of those teams are good. That's going to be a fringe top ten matchup whenever they play. Who's uh, who's OSU's new rival? They released they released the conference schedules four years out, and there's only a few matchups where each team plays another team all four years. OSU plays Tech three of the next four years. So it's almost like the Big 12 is saying, well, that's the closest thing you have to a rival now is Texas Tech. Yeah, they're pushing it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. we got the final hour next here from Riverwind.